0: Welcome to episode forty-one of the Forty Athletes Live podcast. I'm your co-host Jason Holzer, and I got Jonathan Flowers filling in for Jimmy this week. Jonathan, how's it going, man? You're in uh, sunny Florida these days, huh?
1: Yeah, it's going great, man. I'm here dropping my daughter off at school. She's going to Bethune Cookman, which is an HBCU for you guys that don't know. It's that's a historical Black college university. It's in Daytona Beach, so we're moving her in. But I took a break so I could do this podcast with you, man. And I'm really excited about our guest because you know Natalie, it's Natalie Hummel. And she still does a lot of work with kids in sports. But, you know, Jason, tell people what she's like.
0: Yeah, you know, Natalie, she's a co-founder and executive director of Every Kid Sports. And what that organization does is basically they play, uh, they pay, kids play. So their job is to get more kids involved in sports. And what a better time coming out of a pandemic to get more kids involved. So Natalie is also, she's also a mom on a mission. You know, she has a passion behind what she's doing uh, because she believes, like, you know, if she can help her kids – uh, and also help other kids along the same way that uh, she can really make a big difference. And and they're doing a lot of great stuff over there at Every Kid Sports. So we like to bring her on and, and dive into more of what they're doing. So Natalie, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really excited about the conversation. So
0: yeah, Natalie, and let's let's go ahead and dive right in. So what exactly is Every Kid Sports, and you know why? Like, what's the why behind it as well?
2: Yeah. So. Um, we started Every Kid Sports 11 years ago, and it was, uh, we started it when we learned how many kids were not playing sports. You know, Only 38% of kids nine to 13 were getting the chance to play. And the number one reason most kids weren't playing is they couldn't afford it. And mm. so when I learned that, I just was like, how oh, got I gotta do something? And so uh, that's kind of where we started. And we, we cover, the, the way our program works is we cover up to $150 of registration fees uh, for uh, income restricted families, uh, so all they have to do is be able to show that they qualify for some type of government assistance. Could be Medicaid, it could be uh, WIC, it could be SNAP, um, and they just have to show their enrollment documents. And then we provide them with a debit card uh, up to $150 that they can then use to register just like anybody else.
0: That's uh that's really great because you're like limiting the excuses of getting kids to play in sports because you know the the rising cost to play has gone up and so this is kind of a way it seems like to help maybe uh, level the playing field for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, we, we like to say level the paying field of playing new sports, so that's one of our taglines. But yeah, it's uh, and the thing is is that we we believe in breaking down barriers, and so there are a lot of organizations that offer scholarships for low income families and and um but the family has to have the courage to go in and say i can't afford to pay for my child to play uh to get some of those scholarships and so our program is very discreet they can do it from the privacy of their own home on their cell phone they don't have to actually talk to somebody they just provide their documentation uh the card is issued to them electronically it allows them to register just like anybody else um, we also, you know, you talked about being a mom on a mission. I'm, I'm also on a mission to try and revolutionize uh, youth sports. Uh, I think in our country, we've gone to this uh, uber competitive model where all the kids are kind of funneled into a very competitive model. Um, and uh, most kids, that doesn't, isn't a good fit for them, uh, but they could still benefit from playing youth sports. And sports shouldn't be seen as a pathway to college. Sports should be seen as a youth development tool. And it should be seen as something that should be accessible to every kid to play throughout their life. They shouldn't be, you know, only be able to play recreational sports from like six to 10 and then be forced into a competitive model. And uh, that's kind of what our country has right now. It's it's, you're either, you know, going to be a competitive uh, collegiate athlete or you're not going to play. And um, I think that's super unfortunate. And it's, it's, you know, taking these kids out of one of the best youth development tools there is. And so um, I'm really hoping to be a a force for change in youth sports and getting more recreational leagues throughout the country that serve all the way through high school so that the kids can keep playing and having fun playing and going from sport to sport to sport and not seeing it as a pathway to college, but a pathway to success in
1: life. That's awesome. So Natalie. Um, this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. My daughter went through you know, youth sports and tried a bunch of different sports. And then we got into club volleyball, which you know is very, very expensive. There's a lot of kids that are excluded from that. I've never tried it. And I see kids that are super athletic either in the neighborhood, or around the community. But you know, in your observation, mm-hmm. how have you seen the landscape of youth sports really change it? I mean, obviously money's been a big part of it, but what else have you seen changes that have influenced that?
2: Well, the the thing that's, uh, there's so many things going on in youth sports. And, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, having these kids play in a year-round, you know, program where it's not actually good for them to be playing these sports, you know, year-round. They need breaks. They need times for their body to recover. And, they actually become better athletes if they play lots of different sports. You know, going from sport to sport to sport versus playing in a in a club program. You know, I I do think there's a time in your life uh, to pick your sport and to you know into to train to be able to play in college and things like that. And and I think that that you know it is a really you know is a good thing. Um, The the other thing that's going on in our country is we have lots of sports deserts. You know, there's a lot of sports organizations that don't want to create a a league or a program in in an underserved community. And, you know, what happens is those kids have no access. There's nothing there for them. And when everybody chooses to put their kids in these super competitive programs and paying $5,000 to $30,000 a year for their child to play in these programs, um, there's nothing left to support those lower income uh, communities and programs. And um, so I'm really trying to help boost those up with our program. We're hoping that we can encourage some of those leagues to actually form in those low income communities and um, because they can be guaranteed that those kids can, you know, uh, cover their registration fees and gives them the, the ability to open up in those markets. Awesome.
0: And uh, like, you know, going into that, like, why do you think um, that we've gone so far away from the recreational side of things? Like what is, cause you know, only, only 6% of kids go on to play college sports from, uh, from high school. So is it, is it pressure to win? Like what are some of the things you think that has like really uh, gotten us away from the rec model that so many kids love and enjoy?
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think it comes from the parents, you know, and, and there's a, a two things. Uh, So I think the professional youth sports uh, organizations, uh, you know, they're all about making money. And um, it's, uh, it's a for profit business. And so they don't have the kids best interest in mind. They have their bottom line in mind. And I don't mean to say that they're not trying to help the kids, but that's really not what they're focused on. But they do a great job of marketing, that you know, hey, if you want your kid to play in college, you got to get them into these club programs and you got to do this and you got to do that. And so the parents buy into that. And we, um, you know, in you, it, it's just pervasive. And so everyone believes that that's the way, the pathway to college and the pathway to success. And, you know, it does work. There are kids like I was one of those kids. I was super athletic. I love sports and you know, I played uh, club volleyball when I was in high school and, you know, it led to me being able to play volleyball in college and, you know, uh, but I, it wasn't available to me when I was younger. And, you know, if I would have done it younger, I probably would have burned out, you know, because I burned out in college, you know, it's like I, I, I made it to college and then it was like, oh my gosh, this is a job. You know, it was, you know, every day, all day long. And that's all I did was volleyball. And I was like, wait, man, I went to college to get a degree. I didn't go to college to play. You know, just to play volleyball, and so I just think that there's a lot of forces that are there, but I think it comes from the parents and it comes from a narrative. They really believe that they're doing what's best for their child, and I just think there needs to be more education and uh, more pushback against um, the. You know, it's marketing. They're, they're being marketed to, and then they believe that marketing
1: message. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's funny, yeah, we like actually. I was,
1: like I was telling Jason just before the call, it's like I mean I'm right now dropping my daughter off at college. She got a scholarship to play at HBCU. We're in Daytona, Florida. Um, same thing. You know, that whole, you're basically that whole system is set up like it's for profit from as soon as they leave wreck anything. rec basketball, soccer, volleyball, there is anything football, and they get into like AAU and tournaments and club, it becomes that way. And it's to the point where it's not the only belief, the system's set up that the colleges don't even look unless they go through that system as well, just like the NCAA is for NFL. You're never going to find a way to get in those pathways without that thing. But when you look at what's been going on lately, let's say, let take this last year with the pandemic. How has that really affected this whole thing with youth sports? I mean, it's already hard enough to get recess or rec sports. How's the pandemic affected it?
2: Oh, it's it's been really tragic. Uh, you know, the there it was a very fragile ecosystem before the pandemic as far as recreational sports, uh, especially in some of these underserved communities and the pandemic has just kind of been like the final hammer for a lot of those organizations if you think about these mom and pop volunteer based organizations that are in these lower income communities and then the you know they're barely surviving pre pandemic and then they were never designed not to have a season not to have registrations coming in not to have you know their sponsors helping them and then you know the pandem- pandemic hits and they, a lot of them that hit right as they were starting their season, you know, it was like right in March and they'd already purchased their uniforms and they'd already, you know, gotten everything ready and then the field maintenance and everything that they needed to do. And then the season was canceled and they had to refund the money to the parents but they already spent all the money on the uniforms and on getting the fields ready. And so a lot of them, thousands of them had to file bankruptcy. And um, and it's kind of a, an industry that hasn't gotten much attention. And my worry is that those organizations, if we don't do something this year to save those organizations, they'll be gone forever. And it'll take 25 years to bring back those organizations and bring back sports to those communities. So that's really one of the missions I'm on is to try and save those organizations and make sure that we can kickstart registrations in those communities and bring back those those really great providers.
0: Natty, what if you're, I'd say you're one of those organizations that were really affected by it and you're trying to find a way to get your programs back up. Do you have like, what are, what are three suggestions organizations can do immediately to like maybe really get themselves kickstarted, get them back in the game and get them back into, you know, getting that rec model to get more kids playing? What are the three things that they could probably do right off the bat?
2: Well, the, the very first thing is they could promote every kid sports and let their families know uh, that they're, they can you know, use our program to register. Now they'd have to have something to register for. So those programs would have to, you know, be willing to, uh, you know, put put themselves out there to start a season. Um, And, you know, there are other uh, resources and organizations that they can, uh, you know, turn to, and I I don't have them off the top of my head, but I can, uh, if they did some um, looking, I know that there's some organizations out there that are, are helping with, you know, uh, grants to help uh, organizations, um, new sports organizations get going. Um, I know the Laureus uh, Foundation has some opportunities for organizations like that. Beyond Sports is another one that has some. And, you know, they just, but what I really encourage them is, especially if most, what they're mostly serving is, those underserved kids, is to use our program, get the word out, go those families to register, and then they, they can, you know, that they, they can get going. Um, so most of those programs were being offered for, you know, 40, 50, $60. And, um, and we can absolutely cover that, uh, registration mm-hmm. and get them going. So. That's
1: awesome. Um, you know, I've always had kind of this thing. I'm like, you know, obviously you've done know what Kobe had done in LA, in the, in the LA you yes. know, with, um, the Mamba sports complex. Um, believe it or not, there's been other, you know, former athletes like myself, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, you know, Dennis Brown, a bunch of us up in um, my buddy Chris McSwain up in our area, we've been trying to find a facility where we want to do is, you know, gut out a warehouse or an old shopping mall and put a turf field in so you can have soccer, football, basketball, indoor volleyball, indoor, um, whatever, that whatever sports that we can do. Plus just recreational training to keep kids more healthy and then yeah. attach it to, say, a daycare and a tutorial center. And then instead of the kids being charged money, they fill out the financial aid paper just like they would do with something like you partner with groups like yours, 40 athletes to be some of those curriculums we have there. And then for kids that are in those lower underserved neighborhoods, hey, part of your tuition to have access to the facility is your grades. If you're getting like a 2.5, you get in here, your parents get in for an extra hundred bucks or an extra two hundred bucks or whatever we think of. That would be like my dream. And I'd love to figure out like, you know, if you know, you're doing what Jason and Jim are doing with 40 athletes, how what do you think would, would work to make this I don't know, a nationwide thing, not just local region, but something nationwide.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, there's, you know, when you look at the issue, there's, there's, you know, multiple things that are going on there. They don't have the facilities. They don't have the, you know, the safe places to play, Um, you know, they don't have access. And so, um, yeah, I think there, I think there is something to do there, you know, and, and I'd love to keep, you know, talking about it because it's, um, it's it's just so interesting because when I grew up, there was just you know fields to play on. There was just places to go, and you know, and I didn't grow up in a, a super you know well off area. We were we were right on the you know edge. We had low income, underserved communities all around us, but there was always a place to go um, where you could either find you know an outdoor basketball court or a field or a you know something to to play on. And so many of those have gone away. You know, we've we turned them into high rise buildings and, and, you know, lots, and and you have to travel a long ways to, you know, get to a safe place to play. And, and even the schools now, it just shocks me how many schools I go by and they're locked up, you know, you're not able to go out onto the grass and, and play on the grass after school. And they don't make it available to the kids to, you know, I mean, I used to go every, every day after school, I played pickup basketball at my elementary school. And, um, you know, it was just like that, That was just what we did you know and that's not available to so many kids in those underserved communities anymore and it's just shocking to me so um yeah the thing is is it's going to take everybody putting their attention on this to change it and it, it can't just be you know jason doing what he's doing at 40 athletes and what i'm doing over here and building like we all have to work together and I, one of the things I'm trying to do is get everybody, you know, like even people that don't normally work together, like getting Nike and Adidas and Under Armour, all working together and saying, yes, this is important. And, um, and have it not be about, you know, building your brand or a marketing. It's like, I want to save you sports. Like, that's
0: mm-hmm. my mission and, and yeah, the youth. And it goes back to like, hey, in a world where competition seems to be the biggest thing, collaboration is going to be one that's most transformational, right? So it's like, yeah, exactly. how, do, how do we put our egos aside and do what's best for the next generation? And, you know, what I want to ask you is, what have you seen? What is the biggest difference that sports made in kids? Like, what are some things that really like, you know, kids playing sports, they have these advantages by playing. These are the things that they learn that you've experienced as a former athlete as well. Maybe you can tell from from a personal standpoint, why is sports so, so, uh, such a difference maker?
2: Yeah. I, well, there's so many things, but the thing that I've been really um, studying recently is the the physiological changes to the brain when you work out and when you are, uh, play sports. And, um, there's so much research that it actually, it, our ability to deal with stress is significantly improved when you play sports. And because sports is like this little mini test environment, you know, where you get to kind of test yourself and you push yourself and and you see like, oh, if I work this way, what happens? And you get immediate feedback, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I can, I can push myself harder than I ever thought I could. And oh my gosh, look at how much faster I just ran, you know, the 40 yards here or whatever it is. And you if you're relying on life to teach you that it's there's consequences, usually, you know, it's like you either, you know, don't get the job, or you get beat up in the alley, or you, you know, whatever happens. And, uh, but sports teaches you that, and and you just get to go on to the next situation, you know, so you learn resiliency, you learn how to, you know, deal with uh, challenge and, and disappointment and all those things. And so, that's the biggest thing. And, and it's just all the, it's all the physiological changes that happen in the brain when you work out um, that are just so important. And sports is just such a fun way to do it, right? It's like, you're not out there doing a run or doing something that's, you know, you're just having fun with your friends and, and you're, you're, you're getting all that, you know, the mental stimulation that, that you need. And, um, you know, the, the brain lights up when it gets physical activity. And um, you know more regions of the brain are being used, and you know you just like it makes kids happier. It makes them you know more well adjusted, and uh, and that leads to all kinds of stuff like doing better in school and you know performing better. And so, yeah, you
0: know, and I think uh, and and uh, maybe you uh, have your thoughts on this too. But part of creating a great sports experience is having parents and coaches in it for the what's best for the kids right now. It's best for me. Now it's best for my coaching record or resume or you name it, but getting a kid's first mentality, what are some ways we can get a kid's first mentality to adults and our like coaches. And cause sometimes, you know, you could get kids to play, but they may be better off not playing for people they are playing for the pressures are put on by their parents, you name it. So how do we get parents to like, and, and coaches to understand like this is for the kids. And it's bigger than, it's about winning lives of kids, not necessarily winning games.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, boy, if I had the answer to that, that would be, uh, I'd be, I'd be preaching that. But I I just, I go back to uh, that new sports should be about youth development and it should be about developing the whole self of the child, not about uh, a pathway to college, a pathway to success. I mean, it, yes, it does lead to success, but it should really be focused on. I, you know, it. It was really interesting. I was I was at a conference, and and they were talking about um, uh, women playing flag football, and that now, you know, that they wanted to talk uh, to all these uh, parents about why their girls should play uh, football, uh, flag football, because now there's a pathway to college, and that's the reason you should get your your daughter playing flag football. And I was just like, no. You should get your daughter to play flag football because it's it's youth development. It, it, it's like a great way for her to learn how to win and lose, and how to play with her friends, and learn leadership skills, and learn, you know, that and it's fun, and it it teaches her how to be an athlete for the rest of her life. You know, the 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 pathway to college should be the last thing that you talk about, and mm-hmm. should be the last reason that you are signing your daughter up to play. And and that is the mentality right now in our country is that use sports as a pathway to college. It's a pathway to the pros. It's a pathway to making money. And it's like, it is a pathway to making money, but not in sports. It's a pathway to making money. Like if you look, 95% of women executives played sports in high school. So, oh, wow. you know, if you want to uh, have a pathway to money and success in your career, you get your kids playing sports, but not to get them to, you know, get, get a college scholarship playing sports.
1: Yeah. It's really funny. You bring that up. There's, tons of statistics out there of, you know, VP levels, C-level level managers, entrepreneurs, people that, where they've been more successful. Not that that's the only path to success is when they've been, when they've been athletes, when they've played some kind of athletic sports so and they've learned better communication skills, especially conflict resolution, whether it's dealing with an official, a coach that doesn't see eye to eye with you, the coach and the parents aren't doing on. Your mom and dad aren't getting along. Your teammate you aren't getting along. I think learning that is probably the most significant thing. If you had to pick one life skill, that you think that you that youth sports and rec sports when the money's not as involved it's not about the poor profits that what what you think that they're going to learn what would you pick
2: I would say resiliency you know it's that ability to bounce back after a loss you know it's like uh, there's nothing better than youth sports for teaching you that you know you lose and then you just bounce right back and you just work a little bit harder the next time uh, so that you can turn that into a win and um, I think that's like when I look at entrepreneurship, that's what those people have in spades, right? They, they, there's never like a straight path to success. You know, it's it's a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs and sometimes really far down. And then you finally, you know, work your way up. And it's those people that can deal with that and know that, oh, yeah, I lost. I didn't get that deal. I They, they said no. You know, it's like how many no's and then you finally get start getting those yeses. And I, I can tell you for Every Kid's Sports, I mean, we've had some really lean years and some really times when we were really struggling and and you know you it, it's like i never gave up and and that's part of i think what new sports teaches you is that resiliency and that that ability to just like you know handle a loss and just like okay you just shake it off and you just go on to the next win
0: mm-hmm. yeah, i think it's the key to like managing your emotions too right because you can you know some be some really disappointing things happen or some things that you know maybe don't go the way you hope for but you know being able to like Acknowledge like, you know, dang it, man, that was a tough loss or dang it. That wasn't the, the client. It, it fell through like that. I hope to, but being able to say, you know what? I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to try again the rest of the day today. And it's just that ability to not get too like down on yourself. And just like you said, be able to move forward and learn from the situations. Learn from your losses, I think is key. And you know, whenever you don't have the experience in sports and, you, and you're not used to that, Uh, it can be tough like you're like some things that happen that are disappointing to you like how to handle it and there's other avenues like you know you get disappointed in all areas of life but there's a safe piece of sports where you know if you lose a game at the end of the day it's really not the end of the world and you'll get another opportunity but feeling that level of disappointment kind of helps you understand like oh i've been there before and i've always made it through the next time
2: yeah yeah and you get to do it a lot you know it's like and that that's the thing in sports, right? I mean, even in, during a game, you could you could you know, if I use a soccer analogy, the the ball could be passed you and you could miss the shot, you know, and you could be super disappointed, like oh my god, I missed the shot, but you get another chance, right? You get another chance, you know. Oh, I blew that pass, or you know, playing softball and you the grounder goes through your legs, and you're like like ah, in air, you know. Yeah. and It's like boom, you're right back. You get another chance to make to to, to be the star, you know, and and, and to make mm-hmm. the play, and so that's what I think is. uh, you know, is, is great about youth sports and just those lessons. And I mean, there's a million things, right? The kids learn playing youth sports and I can go on and on about all the different like lessons. But to me, that resiliency is one of the best.
0: Yeah. And and we, and we live in such like an outcome based society. Like we forget, like the joy is really in the journey of it, right? Like what do we, what do we learn along the way? I think so many times we get caught up in like the end result that we forget about the importance of like being present. Um, what have you seen as far as like, you know, the the loss or uh, the lost mentality of like, you know, hey, we're we're only for the outcomes. and How can we get back to like finding joy in the journey again? What do you think?
2: Oh man, yeah, I think it's so important. And um, you know, a lot of times the parents again, I, they're so focused on where this is gonna take their kid that they they do, they take the joy out of it for for the, the child and it's just like I just want I remember, you know, uh I, I got picked for a travel softball team when I was younger. And, and, um, um, you know, my, I did it for like, just for like a month. And then I was just like, I just, I just, it took all the joy out of it, you know? And I just like, I had to like back out of it. And I was just like, and my parents, you know, we had, didn't have a lot of money and we had my, you know, I have an older sister and a younger brother. My mom was just like, I can't be driving you. And we lived in Southern California. She's like, I can't be driving you four hours to get to these these games. I mean, I just like your dad's working and like, I just can't leave the other two, you know, it's like we, our whole family can't drive in the car for four hours. And, you know, it just was like, and, and it just became not fun. And um, so I think just getting it back to, you know, that it it's really about the kid having fun and, and they're going to get the most out of it when the kid's having fun. If they're not, if it becomes a burden to the family and to the child and, you know, all those life lessons that you're trying to teach your kid are 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 not going to be there for that child because all that that they're going to remember about it is not having, you know, not having fun. And so, yeah. me it's 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 really again, it has to be focused on youth development and and getting that child to learn all these different lessons from it versus having it be about an outcome and about I'm, you know getting them somewhere. And yeah. uh, and you know, it's it's so hard because so many parents just you know they they are so vested in getting their child to this place and um that yeah i don't know it's i I wish i had the answer and could just say oh that we need to do this but i i don't know exactly what to do to to get us focused on the journey but um i will say the other thing is that uh that i love about youth sports is especially in our culture today you know our kids are attached to their phone uh, they text their friends, they snapchat their friends. They don't have conversations with their friends, exactly. um, really deep conversations. And I find that on sports and when they're on the sideline on a team and they're in a practice and they're working together with their friends playing sports, they actually have conversations. And that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing I love about sports because there's no phone in their hand and they're forced to communicate and to be a successful team, they have to communicate. And um, uh i just came to my mind because i you know i have two teenagers and it's just like it's crazy i like i'm like how was your friend's trip and it's like oh he said it was fine and i get like you know they, they uh-huh. get text and they get like a one word like oh it's fine and i'm like really like i mean he went to peru and all you got was it was fine like well, yeah you know like is it yeah have you talked to him like you know i mean i want to hear about his trip and he's like oh he said it was fine i'm like, you know, I mean, but that's how they communicate. And so that's what I love. Another thing I love about sports right now is uh, it forces them to talk to each other and, and mm-hmm. really a whole different way.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. So now, here's something I really wanted to um, ask you. And you know, I mean, I've been chopping on the bit, letting Jason have some time with this a little bit, but you know, you look at youth sports and how much of this do you, I mean, you talk, you said, you know, you know low income neighborhoods neighbors that have been neglected, you know, do you feel like there is definitely a disparity? Like, like I'm just gonna pull call, pull that card. I mean, we want to be more diverse, but do you think there's a definite disparity from lower income to upper income, like as far as the value of youth sports is? Because when you're in very affluent areas, and I live in one of them, youth sports is all, all you hear parents talk about how great their kid did is a reflection on them. In the lower income neighbors, when I go volunteer my time, all they're caring about is like, God, I get to go play with my friends. Do you, do you feel like that's valid?
2: Oh, t- yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's huge disparities and, um, you know, what's interesting is I, I actually, you know, a lot of the affluent areas that can afford these big club programs and stuff. Uh, I think a lot of those kids, there's actually a huge swath of those kids that the families can't afford to put their kids in those youth sports programs, but they don't, they're, they're just not the kid that's going to play that competitive program. And so those kids are being neglected as well, to be honest. And, and, and I also see way more like mental health problems going on with the uh, in the more affluent areas where it's all for programs and it's all super uh, intense and competitive. And, you know, I and there's nothing for that child who just like loves to play, but isn't, you know, it isn't designed to be competitive. You know, they just want to play and have fun with their friends, you know, and, and those programs are those options aren't available for that kid or they're put into that super competitive program and they're miserable and they're just, they're feeling the pressure and um, it's eating away at them and they know they're not good enough to be on that team, but their parents can afford it. So they're on it and there's all this pressure for them to perform. And, you know, they're just not having fun. They're not enjoying it. So I think it's broken on both sides, you know, and, and sometimes I think that like what's going on in the lower underserved communities is more healthy uh, from the sense of, that they're just there to have fun and they're just, you know, getting the kids out there and being active. Uh, but there's also not a lot of times the facilities and the the, the support to make it a good youth development, uh, you know, experience. So,
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that the mental health piece up and like the pressure that some kids experience where it's like, you they just wish that they could just go out and play like Sandlot style, you know, just go yeah. play and have fun. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of it too, is, you know, giving them that you know the less pressure like hey just go play like i just love watching you play you know and i think that's the key thing too is like let's get back to enjoying watching it the spirit of it like just like and, and let the pressure and all that kind of stuff like just subside i mean it's again at the end of the day it's a game right and we all move on from it and we learn something from it and i think that's important that you mentioned that you know like the mental health piece of like taking care of our mind and not putting, again, so much pressure on them.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially at a young age. Like, I mean, you know, I, I hear all the time of, oh, my, my son is an amazing soccer player. He's super quick and he's got amazing ball handling skills. And, you know, and we're, we're putting him in this competitive program at 11 years old, you know. And, and it's like, okay, at 11, he might be one of the quickest kids on the team, but he's not yeah. necessarily going to be the quickest at 16 you know Mm -hmm. he might be a phenomenal football player at age 16 but he had you know you put you're putting him in deciding that he's playing soccer at you know eight age nine eight nine ten and then you know that's all he's played is you know competitive soccer and then but his body type when he's 16 he might be a phenomenal football player and you don't know that because you know or he might be a great swimmer you know my my nephew just learned you know he's a phenomenal swimmer and um and you know it's like you just don't you wouldn't know that when he would you know when they're little um and but yet these parents are like oh my gosh he showed he's showing this you know the this, this skill here i've been to like invest in him being a soccer player and it's just like i just think we should be investing in them becoming great athletes and playing all kinds of sports and just you know again back to the youth development so yeah
1: yeah no, i'd have to 100 percent agree with that natalie like my daughter, she did gymnastics, and obviously she grew kind of tall. She's like almost 5'11", so gymnastics <laughs> work is going to be in her, fu- in her future. And yeah. She did, but she did competitive dance, and she danced dance clubs. Um, she had a dance team at her school. She tried soccer. She just didn't really feel it. She didn't feel basketball. She was actually better at basketball than she was at volleyball. But we would never known that. She did track for two seasons. It was just – she tried everything, and then that's yeah. when she found out where her passion was. And I agree with you. I, I'm, I've coached youth football I don't know how many times – and I've seen kids that were just otherworldly at Pop Warner or youth football. And then they get to high school and they don't grow like, like their teammates do or mature the same way. And next thing you know, they they can't function. Like they're yeah. going up against the kid that used to kill and dominate on the football field. Now they're sophomores and that kid's a sophomore the kid's 6'2 and your kid's 5'7". Yeah. It doesn't happen. So I hear you on that. It's just I think that parents, I think where we need to start is with the parents a lot more. And like what Jason and Jim are doing with 40 Athletes having that conversation with coaches because I've lost track of how many times someone said, oh, you know, Coach, I, I know you played in the league. Um, how do you think Billy's playing? You, Billy's 12. Like, Billy's <laughs> 12 years old. Like, how do you think Billy's going to play? If he's playing Madden, probably pretty good. If he's playing <laughs> real football, I can't tell you. He's 12 years old. So, yeah. Do yeah. You, do you think that, like, if we can – would you love to see a way, like, I don't know, like, programs like yours and programs like Jason's, and there's tons of them out there. If there was just a program that talked about, hey, your parents,
0: Oh, did we lose him? Jonathan, you still there?
2: Yeah, I think we, I wasn't sure if it was me or <laughs> where the.
0: Yeah, I think he lost the connection. I know he's on his phone, but I think, you know, I th- what he wants yeah. to do is like, I think he was going to say like, if, if parents could know like one thing, you know, as we, as we start to transition out, what's the one thing you think that you would want parents to know?
2: Yeah, that um, just to, again, remember that, playing sports is about developing the whole child and um, and it should be about, you know, fun. And if your child happens to be good enough to go on to college, that's great. But that uh, everything that you do around sports should be about just making sure that your child gets access to all kinds of fun uh, sports experiences and not about it being a pathway to, to uh, college. I would just love parents to, to not be focused on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hey, and as we transition every episode, like we always ask our guests, the four questions with 40 athletes. So these are four questions that, you know, lightning around, you know, uh, one minute to answer if you had to answer them quick. Um, And just to get your ideas on a few things. And the first one is what's the best life lesson sports has taught you?
2: Oh yeah. I love that. I, I asked this question of the guests on my show as well. And I would say that the thing that I've learned the most from, uh, sports is to, you know, to keep, uh, developing myself, you know, that there's always something more that I can, uh, learn and work on. And that by putting your attention on, uh, that, that you can, you can show improvement. So, uh, sports really taught me that, you know, you can do more than you ever think you could. Um, and you just mm. have to work on it and, and practice and you can, you can improve yourself and no matter what your age is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really true. You know, it's like, and I think it helps you develop a, a better level of belief too. Like if I, I I went through this, Oh, I can do that. You know, it's like kind of helps you build confidence too, in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things, but that, that's, mm. that's one that sticks out for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So number two, um, if you can spend time with anyone you admire in sports passed away or alive, who would you pick and why would you pick them?
2: Boy, that, that is a, a really good question. I think one person that I would spend time with is Michael Jordan. And, um, I think he is, uh, a perfect, uh, champion and, um, you know, his, his, uh, mental attitude around developing himself and, um, and just, uh, I, I actually did get a chance to meet him and, and, uh, talk with him right when he signed with, uh, the Chicago bulls and, um, he was he's just an amazing uh an amazing guy so now that he's older and retired i would love to be able to sit down and talk with him again because it was one of the best conversations so
0: yeah that would definitely interesting jonathan we're doing our three our four questions with 40 athletes
1: Oh, Um, sorry about that hey it really feels just for everybody who's listening and watching my phone actually overheated and shut down oh (laughs) because i'm in florida it's it's like got too
0: hot yeah
1: just some things, get your technical stuff together, you know. So which questions have you asked already, Jay?
0: Uh, the first two. So we're on number three.
1: Okay. Um, you can take all four, four Jay's. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so number three, what's the best advice you received from a coach that you've worked with or, or played for? Uh,
2: um, I think probably the best advice was uh, my high school coach, Stan Dodds. He's an amazing guy. And um, he – would always talk with us uh, we, we were not one of the top teams uh, but he we ended up doing really well in the final tournament and uh, playing volleyball and he was he always would tell us that you if you think if you can see it and believe that you can get there yes. you can get there. but if you don't if you already go into a game going oh we're gonna lose this game he's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy so you have to you know it, it's setting the intention and, and seeing yourself winning that game and and really believing no matter whether you're you know outskilled or whatever that you can that you can win and you go in with that mentality you have the best chance of win. it doesn't mean you're going to win but that you have to set yourself up that way and him telling us that before every game. I remember that was just like, he would just say, you have to go in believing, you know, because sometimes we'd come in kind of like, Oh God, you know, we'd watch them warming up and you're just like, Oh my God, they're going to, like, we're yeah. going to, we're going to get killed, you know? And he would just like, and we would just go in there with this belief that, Hey, anything can happen. Right. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times we beat those teams that we should have never been able to beat just from looking at like, you know, skill level. And uh, so that he was a great coach.
0: When- you can always say, you know, you may, ne- you may never go undefeated on the scoreboard, but you can always go undefeated in your effort and your belief, you know, so for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so number four is what's one character trader skill that you would want someone that you are coaching to have, whether it's in at every kid's sports or with an employee or a player? What's that one life skill that you want every kid to possess?
2: I would say being teachable, being coachable. So uh, going into a situation and knowing that just that you don't know everything and that there's always something to learn. And so being a, a lifelong learner, you know, and so and and it sounds so simple, but it's like I can't even tell you how many even just young kids come in all cocky and, and they're they're not coachable, you, you know, and, and I find it really true with adults. You know, they come in and, and yeah, but yeah, but and you know, that you're trying to uh, impart some wisdom and they're arguing with you, you know, the whole time. And you're just like, you know, they're just not coachable. And Mm. uh, so that would be my one thing is just realizing that you there's always something that you can learn and being a having a posture of a lifelong learner.
0: I like that. Yeah. Um, That's really good. Yeah. So Natalie. Um, now now's your time to let us know how can people learn more about you and every kid sports how can we get involved what can we do to help support what you're doing um so it's you know, let us know where can we find you
2: yeah so uh you can find us at everykidsports.org um the the two things that that we could really use help with right now is we're trying to help you know 50,000 kids play sports right now we we have a a huge grant from uh dick sporting goods and uh we want to you know, get as many kids playing this year uh, as we can. So getting the word out about our program um, in, you know, underserved communities and anybody who wants to, you know, volunteer with us to, to, to get the word out, please reach out to us. Uh, go to our website and, and, and connect with us because we want to help these kids. We need more families registering uh, for support. Uh, with all kinds of different sports. So right now we have a lot of football and a lot of cheerleading, and I would love to see, you know, all kinds of sports, uh, more volleyball and more um, uh, soccer and, you know, lacrosse and whatever. And I, and I know there's season, so there's just only certain sports that are right now in the fall, but uh, I would love just help getting the word out across the country uh, that this uh, funding is available. Um, and then on the other side of that is obviously we we always are going to need more, you know, donations and more people supporting us. Um, once we start, uh, you know, getting the word out and people start knowing about us, there's millions of kids that need support. And so it's a big, big problem. And so, um, you know, companies or individuals that believe in our mission, uh, we could always use, you know, more people getting behind our comments.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Natalie, you know, thank you for joining us today. Um, you know, so many great insights from your uh, yeah. from just like the level of youth sports, where we're at at youth sports and and kind of even giving us like a roadmap of where we need to go. So, again, thank you for joining us
1: today.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation. Really Natalie, great.
1: And I really I'm going to wish you all the success and whatever we can do to help let you know, because I love what you're doing. I think more people need to do more of it. Um, I'd love to see a federal program where they have an office or three offices in the main areas and states where it's under where it's underdeveloped and not being looked at. And there's, you know, annual grants that you go after, anything. But we need to work together. And I think I love what you're doing. I want to make sure that we stay in contact. And everybody who's listening, please, you know, you know, support what she's doing. Go check out her, her website. Look up, look her up. See how you can help. You know.
0: Yeah, you. absolutely. Well, Natalie, we will be in contact soon on how we can work together to uh, change the landscape of youth sports in a much positive way.
2: That sounds great. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been Thank really fun. You.
0: Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Natalie.
2: All
0: right. Bye. Well, you know, Jonathan, to Natalie's point, you know, about 70% of kids are quitting sports at the age of 13, and that's from the Aspen Institute. Um, so not only do we need to get kids playing more, but, you know, we need to, we have this chance to teach them life skills in the sport. And I think that's where, you know, we have 40 athletes come into play, is getting them to play, but also teaching them the things that they need to learn in all years of life.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just tying into all those life skills, whether it's their health, eating habits, activity level, just being active as people. Like you said, there's a lot of mental health issues that we both talk in depthly about.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, their ability to have camaraderie, communications, you know, resiliency, work ethic, discipline. There's not too many negatives to being active and being in sports. And those, and the negatives that you do see is having the wrong coach. Well, that's life. That's wrong boss, wrong partner, people you date. That's life in general. Yeah. I, just, I just hope that, like, we did that programs like ours and programs like 40 Athletes and podcasts like this, and what she's doing with every kid's sports, that people start listening and we start kind of a coalition. You know, collaborate, like you said, I think on the show, collaboration is probably going to be the best way to deal with environment that's not competition.
0: Absolutely. You know, in a world of competition, collaboration is going to be the vehicle for transformation. So, Agreed. Uh, Jonathan, man, hey, we got another show on Friday, the I Am a Champion show coming on. Um, who we got coming on on Friday?
1: Well, our guest is going to be Douglas Younger III. Guy runs um, Three Steps Forward. He's an entrepreneur, does it works with a lot with the professional and youth sports and the college sports, and a lot of people trying to help with startups. So it's something that's really dear to my heart, and I'm hoping a lot of people tune in because it's going to be a fun show.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Friday, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern Time. Uh, you can check us out at 40athletes.com if you want to transform lives with your sports uh, by using those life skills that we mentioned today. Jonathan, thank you for uh, stepping in for Jimmy today and I look forward to uh picking up the conversation on Friday with Douglas.
1: All right man, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Have a good weekend, man. You too.